Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Last week, we began a series in the book of Ephesians, and even more specific, the multifaceted subject of unity that's woven throughout it. And unity, we said, is, is oneness, is when oneness is achieved between differing parties by means of agreement. When differing individuals come into agreement, unity is the result. Two, two, the two parties can act and function as one because they agree. And so far in this series that was going to be six weeks, but I can tell you right now it's going to be a lot more than that, um, we camped out on the truth that unity starts with our being in Christ. And I talked about last week a little bit, that phrase, in Christ or in Jesus, or phrases like that, they're found, like it's like 36 sometimes, I think it was 36, a ton of times in just the book of Ephesians alone. Tons of times it refers to this being in Christ. And we talked about what that meant. Ephesians 1, 3 through 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. There's that phrase. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Again, the term in him or in Christ means being in right relationship with him, that we are in unity with him. Being in unity with Christ means that our lives line up in agreement with who he is, his very character, his nature, the word of God itself. Unity in any of our relationships, be it our brothers and sisters in Christ, or spouses, or children, it all begins with our unity with Christ, our individual unity with him. That's the starting point or the foundation for any unity within our relationships. And I think I ended last week by saying, or one of the last things I said was, if your horizontal relationships, relationship is right with God, then, then, or your vertical relationship is right with God, your horizontal relationships with one another will be right. It has to, this has to be first. Amen? So if you're taking notes, this is where we're at so far. Unity, a study in Ephesians. And then you could have point A, the beginning of unity. Point A, the beginning of unity. And then one underneath that, I don't think they put that on the screen just right, but one would be what does it mean to be in Christ? And two, uh, what well, was last week, what does it mean to be in Christ? Two, what are the benefits of being in Christ? So we have this, A, the beginning of unity, and we have point one, what does it mean to be in Christ? And point two, what are the benefits of being in Christ? And we're gonna get into some of those benefits today, and I was gonna list a bunch of them off, but I only got to one, actually. So um, we're, gonna, we're gonna read Ephesians chapter one, verse five and six, and it says this, in love... He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. There's that in Christ again. So what is the benefit here? Adoption. You are adopted. And I, I just, I got stuck here because I wanted to know what that really, really means we, we, we just read it. He predestined us for adoption as his own kids. 
And by predestined, Paul is not saying that God chose and decided before he even made the world who would receive his gift of salvation and who wouldn't. That's not what that means. He wasn't saying that he, he chose who would receive his gift of reconciliation through the shed blood of Jesus and who wouldn't. His gift is available to anyone and everyone who is willing to receive it. You got to know that, church. Everyone has the ability to come to Christ and be forgiven and be set free and be saved and be placed upon the rock of him and have their lives transformed by the power of his Holy Spirit. Everyone has that opportunity. Now, I, I got to tell you this because there's a lot of Christian churches who have some doctrine there that I don't necessarily agree with and, and we don't agree with as, as, a, as the Assemblies of God Church, which is, which is this predestination thing where God's already decided who's saved and who isn't. Well, if God's all-knowing, then he knows who's going to be saved and who, who isn't, so isn't that the same thing? No, because God can give you a choice and know what you're going to choose before you choose it. Well, how can that be? He's God, I'm not. I can't figure that one out. Understand what I'm saying? Every person has an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. I mean, I'm glad about that. I, I tell you what, why are we so crazy about missions in this church? Because every person has an opportunity. Every person can make that choice. I'm not just, we're not just out there as a church. We're not just out there with our missions program trying to find the people who God predestined. Everybody, everybody has the opportunity. So we give to missions. It affects the way we think, right? That's an important element to what we believe. He predestined all those people who would receive him to be his kids. That's what it means. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It doesn't say that God so loved the portion of the world that was predetermined to hear and receive the message of the gospel. The whole world, the gospel is for all who would receive him. It's for everyone. He predestined all those people who would receive him to be his kids. He doesn't say that he predestined who would choose him. He's saying that all who receive Christ are predestined to be his kids. Big difference there. So we are adopted by him. What's the big deal about being adopted? Why is that so awesome? Well, just ask one of my girls. Because they experienced me as a father. Now, I'm not saying I was the worst father in history, and I'm not, certainly not saying that I was the best, but for them to have experienced me in my best efforts and then have the right to become adopted as one of God's chosen daughters to have a perfect heavenly father, what a blessing for them. And what a blessing for anyone who chooses to receive him and is now in him. John 1.12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, there's a thought that all people are the children of God. That's not what the word of God says. It's all those that have chosen him, that have received him, he chose us, but we have to accept that gift. We have to receive that gift. We can reject it. To, to be obtuse to it is to reject it. But when we receive it, we get the right to become children of God. That's not a very popular thing. Not all people are God's children. No. Are you hearing me today? 
Many of you know that the Jewish nation, Abraham's son Isaac, had a son named Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and he had 12 sons, and the descendants of those 12 sons became the nation of Israel and are still that nation today. They are God's chosen people. Most of us in here, if you're not Jewish, we're on the outside of that, right? We are Gentiles. You're Gentile if you're not Jewish. But, but through the shed blood of Jesus, we who receive him are adopted into God's chosen people as his real, actual, legitimate sons and daughters. He's our real father. And no earthly father could ever compare. It's a benefit that only is available to those that are in Christ. Very important. In his letter to the church in Rome, which consisted of both Jews and Gentiles in that church, Paul used an illustration to describe this adoption, and he explained it so beautifully. Romans eleven seventeen through 21, it says this, but if some of the branches were broken off, and he's referring to the Jewish people, he's the vine, and there's these branches, these Jews, his chosen people, and he says if some of those branches were broken off, Talking, to the Jews, or talking about the Jews there. And you, talking about to Gentiles at this moment, although a wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it's not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. That that refers to staying in Christ, remaining in him. Like you don't get a free pass once you're grafted in. You have to walk it out. You have to walk it out. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if we could just accept Christ and do anything we wanted and live however we wanted and do whatever we wanted? Would be easy. That's not how it is. We've got to walk out our faith. Not in self-effort, but we have to walk it out. And this is such a cool picture. Throw that picture up there if you would. This is an olive branch, olive tree, with a couple of little branches grafted in. They make a little slit in the bark and they take another branch and they put it down in that slit and they, it, it, there's a science to it. You gotta, you gotta know what you're doing. They tape it up and, and sometimes those branches take and sometimes they don't. And it, it's really picturesque of what I said last week in reference, again, to remaining in Christ. The only place to draw real life from is the true vine of Jesus Christ. You could be grafted in as one of those little branches But if you're not pulling your life from the root, from the main vine, you try to pull your life from somewhere else, you won't, you won't, it won't take. You won't stay in the vine. You understand what I'm saying? The only place to draw real life from is the true vine of Jesus Christ. Think about that. We, we, we all are guilty of this in some ways. Thank God for his blood that forgives us when we, when we see things we're, we're, we're not quite right on the money on or we're, not, we're, we're missing the mark maybe just a little bit, that he's faithful and just to forgive us. I, I don't want you to forget that. I'm not preaching condemnation here this morning. But the truth of the matter is this. 
Go ahead and keep that picture up there. There are so many things in this life that we can try to draw life from. Our careers, our kids, our financial situations, our hobbies. Think about where you are trying to pull life from in your life. Because again, it's got to come from the true vine, the true life giver of Jesus Christ. Grafting is a delicate process. Leave that picture up there. If not done correctly, the new branch doesn't take. And it's interesting, I want you to hear this. The branch that's grafted will only produce fruit that it was originally designed to produce. So our brother Gail here experimented with this, and he had a real good apple tree root ball, nice root system, and uh, it, it was a good healthy stump, we'll call it that. Is that a good way to say it, brother Gail? Okay. And he grafted branches from different varieties of apple trees into this apple root ball. I've talked about this a little bit before, but it's fascinating to me. And many of them took. He eventually had an apple tree with like, was it 11 different varieties of apples on one tree? Because the branch he grafted in, when it took and it grew, it drew its life from the vine. It produced fruit that it originally was intended to produce. It didn't all of a sudden change and produce fruit from what the original root ball was going to produce. Understand what I'm saying? That's fascinating to me. That must have been one heck of a tree. God designed us so differently. Look around the room. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, you are different. He designed us so completely differently and with such unique gifts and talents and temperaments and personalities. He created you so perfectly to fulfill the need in which you were created. And, and, and when you are grafted into the one true vine of Jesus Christ and you begin to draw your life source from him, he doesn't change who you were originally created to be. He takes those gifts, those abilities, and all the things that make you so uniquely designed, and he begins to bring forth fruit from you. You begin to bear fruit in your life, the fruit that you were designed to bear in the first place, and being plugged into Jesus as your true source of life, the true vine, that's what feeds and nourishes the branch of your life to produce that fruit. By the way, when that happens in your life, it fills the void. Sometimes we have, and we just can't put the finger on what's wrong, what's wrong. It, there's a void. Even as Christians, sometimes we don't let Jesus fill all those voids. We try to fill them with other things, and it doesn't work, and we get frustrated. It begins the answer to the question why do I exist? And, and, and you start feeling a fulfillment within your life as you live out God's will. Verse 20 in Romans, we, we read Romans just a little bit ago, chapter 11. It says, we read that phrase, do not, do not become proud, but fear. 
if you're one of those grafted in branches, don't become proud about it, but fear. And I, I've always thought that word fear in the Bible, fear of the Lord, was kind of scary, you know. God doesn't want us to be scared of him, you know, that, that kind of thing. And I, I went ahead and I, I jumped in and looked at this word in the Greek. And that word fear in the Greek is the word um, babeo. It's babeo. And it's spelled P-H-O-B-E-O. And it means to be afraid of, literally. Reverence resulting in obedience. Now hear me, church. By, by the way, it's the same word where we get phobia. I looked it up. The word phobia comes from the Greek word phobeo. If we remain in Christ, I, I want you to hear me, there's absolutely nothing to be scared of. But if we are going to play the game of Christianity, if we're going to ride the fence, so to speak, if we're going to take the name of Christ by calling ourselves a Christian but not really plugging into the vine that we are supposed to be drawing life from, then yes, falling into the hands of a holy God should cause us to fear and even be afraid of the awesomeness that he is. When we are in him, we are adopted by him as sons and daughters, and there's nothing to be afraid of. Why would we mess around? Why would we mess with our position as sons and daughters plugged into the vine? By fooling around with quick flash-in-the-pan pleasures of the flesh that this world has to offer. We are adopted sons and daughters, drawing real life from the real life source. Why would we ever want to mess that up? And I, again, I want to make sure we're balanced in this. When we mess up, and we will sometimes, we, get, we should get it under the blood as fast as we can. That means you get on your knees and you confess it to the Lord, ask forgiveness for it, and it says in 1 John 1, 9, praise God, it says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all, and, or forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's an awesome promise, Amen. We do that quickly when we mess up. We don't all of a sudden fall out of the state of being in Christ when we mess up. We cease being in Christ when we continually live there and act as if we don't care. The benefits of being in unity with Christ stop when we are no longer in unity with Christ. Makes sense. When we unplug from the vine, as I read in John last week, John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Your life-bearing fruit is the, lit, the, the, the fruit that comes from your life. Your life-bearing fruit is the litmus test of whether you're plugged into the vine or not. Apart from Christ, there is no fruit or evidence that you are in him and drawing your life from him. But those that are in him and remain in him by confessing their sins and refusing to live in those sins, those that keep the branch of their life plugged into the vine are grafted into the family of God. You're grafted in. They receive the family name. They're Christians. That's what we are. And according to Romans 8, 6, 16 through 17, 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Ephesians 1, 11a says, in him, there's that phrase again, we have obtained an inheritance. So as adopted children of God in him, continually plugged into the vine, grafted in, drawing our life source from him, the only true life source there is, we are joint heirs with Christ and we have obtained an inheritance. I don't know about you, but I like inheritances. How many would like a big fat inheritance from a relative you never met before? That'd be all right, right? To have that inheritance as adopted children, it, it means that we have amazing, an amazing future ahead of us. Because nothing this world has to offer will compare to what God has prepared for us in eternity. There is an inheritance beyond this world. There is an inheritance. Riches untold. Like, the, the, the only thing I can think of when I think of the riches of heaven, at least in, in, in money, is that there's so much that money doesn't exist. It's like Solomon who had silver dumps. I mean, they, they had, he had so much, it was just... Someone said, I could spend a billion dollars. I bet you couldn't. A billion dollars, one billion dollars is a lot of money. You know how much money that is? One billion seconds ago was like 1979. A billion seconds. Does that boggle your mind? When you think about what the, what the government spends? <laughs> Don't even talk to me about trillion. A trillion seconds ago, one trillion, what are we, 31 trillion in debt or something? How are you gonna pay for that? One trillion is 300, one trillion seconds ago, seconds ago is 300 years before Jesus walked the face of the earth. That's one trillion. We don't, we hear these numbers so much they don't mean anything to us, but they're true. They're true. That's a lot, a lot of money. Our inheritance is far beyond that, it's endless. Everything our Father has is ours. If you understand about Old Testament inheritances and what that meant, man, we get it all. Everything our Father has is ours. I think of this. When, when, when my kids who have, not, not Abby because she still lives with us. She lives in our basement, you know. <laughs> oh, I said your name. That's 40 bucks. Whoops. I keep saying your name, maybe you can afford to move out. No. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I love having her there. But our kids who have moved out, I'm not going to say their name. If you don't know, if I say my kids' name, we have a long-term rule, I have to pay them like 20 bucks. I think, yeah, why did you say 40 I said it twice. Oh, okay. She's, she's marking it down as notes, I know, on her paper. 
Grandkids, it's 40 bucks. Kids, there's 20 bucks if I say their name. So anyway, my kids that are still at home, if they come over, like, just to chat or something or hang out or maybe over for supper, do you know that they can go right to the fridge and open the door and get whatever they want out of there? They don't, hey, Dad, do you think I could, you know, have a glass of milk? They know what cupboard the cookies are in and they just go get one. They don't ask mom if they can have a cookie. There are kids. Our grandkids, they don't, they don't necessarily ask. They know where things are. Have you experienced this as grandma and grandpa? They know where the goodies are. Alyssa is a chocolate hider. So she, she like, like puts chocolate in this like little, we have a pie hutch, they call them, but there's these, all these little drawers in there, and there's, there's stuff in the drawer. The kids know exactly which drawers have chocolates in them. And there's these drawers, and then there's these drawers, and there's these drawers, and they used to be down here, and now they're up here, and I think they got to go up here pretty soon, because the kids can reach them. And they pull those drawers. They don't ask. That's okay. That's, that's grandma and grandpa's house, right? That's mom and dad's house. They can get whatever they want. Everything we have is theirs, in a sense. You're adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God. Everything he has is yours. Can you comprehend that? Yeah. Can you comprehend that? It's unbelievable. We are joint heirs with Christ. We have obtained an inheritance. This means we have an amazing future ahead of us. It also means that there's an inheritance for us on earth. While we are just passing through this vapor of a life, we have access to his presence, to his provision, to his care, to his protection, to his healing. Everything he has, is everything he promises us in, in, in being in Christ, all of that is our inheritance now and then. Then is unbelievable, we can't even comprehend it. But now is wonderful. Man, I should have brought up the scripture about why do we worry? You know, Solomon, our, 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 we, uh, uh, our God has, has, has all the riches, more than Solomon could ever, ever imagine. He was dressed so wonderfully. Why do we worry about clothes? Look at Solomon, he was clothed. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And look at the birds of the field. They're taken care of, every little sparrow fed. And we worry? Our God owns more than a thousand cattle on a thousand hills, you know, or 10,000 cattle on 10,000. He owns it all. The world is his footstool. And we worry? If we're in Christ, we are adopted children of God. He's our dad. He's the perfect father. He has everything we could ever want or need. And in this life, it's important to always know that his kingdom is here but yet coming. That means his inheritance is ours now, but the fullness of what that will be is yet coming. You know, many of you know that my wife Alyssa is adopted. And if you uh, met her family, her sister, who's also adopted by the way, and her four brothers, some of which have adopted as well, you would never know that she was adopted. 
She has the same rights, the same access, the same love and attention as the rest of her family. She might even have a little more of those things in some ways because I think she's a favorite. <laughs> I didn't say she was spoiled. I said she was favorite. Maybe spoiled a little. That's okay, though. She deserves it. When all of her side of the family gets together, her mom and her brothers and sisters and all their kids and all the grandkids, there are 72 people in the family. And there are, out of those 72 people, 27, 27 of them are there because of adoption. It's pretty cool. And when we're all together, nobody could walk up and be able to figure out who's adopted and who isn't. Nobody could tell who are the kids of those that are adopted and those who are not. Nobody could tell, are, are, okay, so are, are, are you the, yeah, no, nobody could tell. We're all just family. And that's how it is for us in the family of God. You, you can't tell the difference between those that are originally God's chosen people, the Jews, and, and those that have been grafted into the vine, we are his adopted sons and daughters with all the rights and inheritance that comes with that designation. Being unified with Christ in unity with him carries with it this adoption benefit. We get to be the sons and daughters of a father who is all-powerful, all-knowing. He's everywhere all the time. I love how Louis Giglio puts it. We serve a star-breathing God. That's how big he is. He talks and stars come out of his mouth. Planets. He's massive. You can't measure him. You can't even say massive because you can't measure it. And it's true, church. We get so worried about every little thing in our life and we forget our Father creates worlds and planets with his voice. He speaks and mountains are cast in the sea. He is bigger than any issue we could ever face, any hurdle that could ever be in our way. Nothing is too much for him to handle. I, I hear so much talk about insecurity and how so many people live in this prison of insecurity these days. As adopted children of God, we have security like no other. Our Father is the best. He's the strongest, he's the most loving, he never leaves us or forsakes us. He's the perfect disciplinarian while being the most encouraging voice we could ever learn to hear. And it doesn't matter. You know, I've, I've heard it said that, that people who didn't have a good experience with their earthly father have trouble connecting with the heavenly father. Can I just get real with you today? Human fathers are just that. They're human. And they're wonderful. I mean, they can be. And they can be not so wonderful at times. But if you move beyond that and see that you have a father, a heavenly father, that you are his son, you are his daughter, all of a sudden, empathy for maybe your earthly dad who wasn't so perfect begins to flow. Because maybe that earthly father didn't know anything about being a father because his earthly father didn't know anything about being a father and right on down the line. Or something happened. I, it could be a thousand scenarios. The point is you have an amazing father as an adopted son. 
as an adopted daughter. You have security. And again, it's, it's based on remaining unified with Christ. Our life coming into agreement of who he is, with who he is, his very character, nature, our life being in agreement to his word. That's being in unity with Christ. And one of the benefits, being his adopted son, being his adopted daughter, grafted into his true vine, the only vine that really can be drawn, that life can be drawn from, it's your son, it's your daughter. You, you, are, you are his, you are adopted. And you have all the rights. You know, I think about our struggles in this life. We struggle with relationships. We struggle with sin. We struggle with all sorts of issues, circumstances, situations. Our God's bigger than all that. Our Father is bigger than all that. You have a dad. You have a father. Abba, Father. You have a father. You are a son. You are a daughter. And it's an awesome thing. You know, when we struggle with those things, I, I think it's just good to back up and remember, I'm adopted and I have rights. You know why I'm going like this? Because when the devil comes in and tries to attack me in my mind or attack me physically or attack me emotionally, I just go, hmm, do you know who you're talking to right now? Do you know who you're messing with right now? I am a son of the most high God. Get out of here. You're going to lie to me about who I am? about what I used to be, about what I'm uncapable of becoming? You're, you're, you're going to lie to me? Do you know who you're talking to? I'm a son. I'm a daughter, if you're a girl, of the most high God. You can't mess with that. You can't mess with me. I have an inheritance while I live on this earth, an even greater one when I go home. This life is but a vapor, and you ain't going to mess with me while I'm here, and you surely ain't going to mess with me when I'm there. We have an inheritance. We are joint heirs with Christ because we are sons and we are daughters. We have been adopted. We are grafted into the vine. Our life source continues to pull life from that vine, that one true vine, and our lives produce fruit. I don't know, I could talk about this all day because it excites me. <laughs> Do we deserve that? No. But we got it anyway. Stand if you would. Let's close. Today, God, we're reminded in your word that we are adopted. We are your true sons and daughters. As we remain in you, plugged into you, God, we have an inheritance here and we have an inheritance there. We are your kids. 
God, I pray that we would walk in that knowledge because that knowledge gives us victory. I pray, oh God, that we would remind the enemy of our soul of who we are and we would stand firm in that. And Lord, if there's someone in this room today that has never asked you into their heart, they're not in the vine yet, they're not in you yet, God, that they would make that decision by simply praying along with the rest of us. Repeat after me, church. Lord Jesus, come into my heart today. Be my vine, the one I'm plugged into. Forgive me of my sins and set me free to live my life for you. Let fruit come forth from my branch, fruit that pleases you. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.